you just bow with me for prayer? Father, what joy it is to sing about your grace and your amazing love for us. How we could never do what you have done for us. We can't save ourselves. We can't rescue ourselves. We can't help ourselves. We can't do better. We can't try harder. We are failures. But when we let our failure turn to faith and trust in you, we experience the amazing love of Jesus Christ. The exchange life. We exchange our old life for your new life and your beautiful life. I pray that would be true of someone today who's been trying hard. I pray they would trust you today as Savior and Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing in our series about Christmas. We look at the birth story from many different angles. Just to remind you, as you watch a football game, you may sit at the 50-yard line and you may have a view and you see it through the lens of the 50-yard line. So let's say Matthew, that we've looked at for two weeks, had a lens of the 50-yard line. But today we're at the 30-yard line and we're seeing the same thing played out, the same story from a different perspective. That's what the gospel writers did. They saw the same game from a different perspective and the Holy Spirit told them what to write. So we're going to look at Luke's story today, Luke chapter 2, the beautiful story of the birth of Christ the birth of Jesus, he was born to die. And so I want to talk to you about good news today. We, we could use a little good news around here because I turned on, uh, well, I didn't, I, I fired up my iPad and the first thing I saw was a tsunami wiped out 230 people and I know the death toll is rising in Indonesia. So the first thing you see is, is bad news. Uh, the government is going to shut down on us again. And so we would say, well, that's bad news. But here's the good news today. The good news today is you can know that Jesus Christ personally loves you and personally was born for you and personally died for you and personally rose for you and wants you to know him as personal Lord and Savior. You, you personally. That's good news. Is that not right? See, we have to have some good news, and the good news is God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. And we look at this birth story and we've seen it many times, but we're going to look at it from the 30-yard line from Luke's perspective today. And let's read the text in Luke chapter 2. I'll tell you where we're going. Verse 8. Verse 8 through 11. Luke chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, or good tidings of great joy, which will be to, you, to all people. For there is born, look at the text, to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's good news. That's good news about the gospel. The gospel is good news. It's where we get our word evangelized from. It's the good news of the gospel, evangelism, evangelizing. So the shepherds were really the first evangelists, if you will, in this birth story. They were the ones that announced the good news. So when we think of good news, I go back about 20 years ago. I received a phone call while I was the student minister here at Sagemont. The Rockets were in the, uh, they were up 3-1, and they were playing at home in the NBA championship 
championship. And this is good news. I received a phone call from a church member here and said, would you like to go? I've got a ticket for you tonight. Would you like to go to the game? And I said, is Jesus alive? He said, yes, I do want to go to the game. So I thought to myself, but wait a minute. Fear set in at that moment because it was the week of Vacation Bible School. And I know here at Vacation Bible School, we are expected to be on this campus. And I began to fear, what would happen if the pastor happened to walk over to Thompson Intermediate, which is where we had sixth grade, and see that I wasn't there and ask, well, where's Freeman tonight? So I began to wrestle with this issue of faith and fear. And so he said, I need to have an answer for you in an hour. So I prayed for about an hour, and then fear set in. Faith set in, fear set in. And it couldn't rain in the same heart. So finally I called him back, and I said, you know what? I just don't think I can risk it. So you go ahead and go. And so he took somebody else. So anyway, so, so that was the bad news. I said no. Had good news. Rockets were in the championship. Bad news is I decided that I wouldn't go. And then I found out that he made a phone call to somebody else on staff. And the person that he made a phone call to on staff was our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. And so I get the news later after the Rockets win the championship, and I'm over there with sixth grade, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just, I need to know the score again. And I found out that he went. See, the the bad news was I said, no, the good news is that Brother John went, but that's bad news for me because I would have been safe because had I went with him, I would have been fine. It would have been okay. I'm sure there was an extra ticket. So here's the point. When you get bad news, if your good news trumps your bad news, then it's good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is this. You and I are separated from God when we're born. We are born in sin. For all have sinned. Let me tell you some bad news. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is bad news. For the wages of sin is death. So the paycheck for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's the good news. The bad news is this. That uh, in our own flesh we're filthy. The The opportunity that we have to sin is there before us because we are born sinners and we flesh that out. But the good news is Christ has come. So our righteousness is as filthy rags, Isaiah says. But his righteousness is not as filthy rags, right? So, So he has a flow of blood that can cleanse us from our soul and our sin. And so we understand that the good news is that Christ has come. Now look how he came here. I want you to see it in chapter 2, verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds, circle the word shepherds. Why would the news of the gospel of good news come to the shepherds? Well, I want you to think about shepherding for a moment. They were outcast. They were people who were ostracized by society. They, they smelled like the fields that they walked. They were always herding sheep. And so God decides in his providence... I mean, who's in charge of PR here? I mean, we're about social media today, right? I mean, tweet this, tweet that. I mean, who's in charge of PR? God's going to announce the birth of his son to some shepherds. I'll tell you why. Because God was shepherding Israel. God came to people 
who he was shepherding, and God knew that we would need a shepherd. Stay with me here. So the shepherd was going to be born. The shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, was going to be born to people who were out in the fields because the good news is the message of God's grace and his love comes to the lowest. The highest announces the good news to the lowest. That's good news for anybody in this room today because we are all born in sin and we can know that God loves us so much that no matter what we've done, he has a plan for our life. Jesus was born with a mission, and that mission was to die on the cross and to be buried and to rise again. So it says in the same country, shepherds were living out in the fields. The reason that they were living out in the fields, and it says here, they were watching over their flock by night. So what they would do at night is they would uh, pin the sheep up. They would get some rocks uh, from the field and they would kind of have these stones and they would stack them up in kind of like a lean-to fold. And then the shepherd would protect those sheep from harm. If any animal would come, the shepherd would be, would be ready. Now this is significant. The shepherd would lay down at the entrance to the door of those sheep. John chapter 10 says Jesus is the door, right? John chapter 10 says Jesus is the good shepherd, the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. So when you think of the significance of the shepherd, it's huge in our life because God announces his son's birth to the shepherds because that's what God wants to do in our life. He wants to shepherd us. When we ask Christ to come into our heart, we have a God who's in heaven, but we have a shepherd who's in our heart. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And he's the chief shepherd. And you can see all that when you look at scripture. He died for us. He rose for us. He's coming back for us. So when God announces the birth to the shepherds, this is no small incidence. When you think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my what? He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I, I'm satisfied in him. I trust him. I know him. I have a shepherd that lives in my heart. So when you think of why God would announce to the shepherds, he's saying this because that's what God does for Israel, and that's what God wants to do for us. We need a shepherd. We need somebody to lead us. We need somebody to guide us. One of the things that I've learned about leadership here at Sagemont from our pastor and from other mentors in my life is that leadership is followship. You don't become a leader until you become a follower. And we need to follow the shepherd. And he leads us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then you know how the shepherd, when he would, uh, David was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 23, and you know how the text says he has a rod and a staff on either side. So you've got a shepherd that leads you when you have Christ that comes into your heart. You have a shepherd who has a rod and a staff on either side because there's nurture and there's protection. And then in Psalm 23, you, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you see how we're totally surrounded by the picture of being a, a shepherd leading us? He, he, he's leading us. And so when you think of Christmas and you think of the shepherds, you might just kind of fly through that and say, well, why would he announce it to the shepherds? Because there's a bigger picture here. God loves us so much, and the shepherds were living out in the fields. Not only were they living out of the fields, but these fields that they lived in, they were handling sheep that would be sacrificed at the temple. 
So they were probably six miles outside of of uh, Bethlehem, and so these were temple sheep that they were shepherding, and these sheep would be taken to the temple because they would be taken to the temple so they could slaughter the sheep, and they would sacrifice the sheep, and one sheep after another sheep would be sacrificed, and thousands and thousands upon thousands of sheep would be sacrificed, and you know what God's message is? No more sacrifice needed of sheep because my son has come in a cradle and he's going to a cross and he's going to make the one-time payment on a cross so we don't have to sacrifice sheep anymore. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice for our sins. And so the shepherds would know this message better than anybody else. No more need for sacrifice for the sins of Israel and for the repentance to be done through the sacrifice. But God is coming with his own son who's going to be born to die. This is extremely good news because we are trapped in our sins. You see, sin separates us from God. And in life, you know how we play with sin? Nod your head if you're not too holy. We play with sin. You know, there was a guy who had a pet python, they said, at a circus, and he had that pet python. He had it trained, and, and he would play with that python, and, and that python would wrap around him, and people would come from all over, and that python would just lay after it wrapped, would lay his head right on top of his head, and everybody would clap, and then I don't know what signal he gave, but he would give some signal for the python to unwrap him, and one day, it all changed. Because what he was playing with turned around and played with him. And that python one day, the story goes, that that python wrapped around him and you could hear the crunching of his bones. Because you don't play with sin. In the end, sin plays with you. And it destroys you. And it will kill you. The good news is we have a Savior that was born to rescue us from our sins. And he was born to the shepherds living out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. This is what they did for a living. It's amazing how God shows us his providence in his care. And then look at verse 9. Look at the text. And behold, an angel of the Lord, we've seen an angel with Mary and with Joseph, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now look at the text. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, we've looked at this, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So you've got an angel that comes and stands before them. Can you imagine that? Would you be frightened as well? I mean, here's what God may want to do in our lives this Christmas. He may want to interrupt our schedules because they were doing what shepherds were supposed to do. They are watching their flocks by night, and God sends an angel to interrupt them in the routine of their everyday work. And I think sometimes with Christmas, we get so busy with the routine of our everyday schedule that we couldn't handle an interruption like this. But I want you to know that God wants to break through in some of our lives to interrupt us, to show us that we can leave our work long enough to learn to worship. Is that not right? See, we can leave our work. We're so busy working that we can't worship. And, and just like today, the band, they led us in worship. There's, there's the message in the worship that we're singing, but there's a message in the word that we're teaching. So don't think that this that we do before I come up here is the first half and this is the second half. It all fits together. It's all about worship. And so these uh, shepherds were interrupted by the angel. 
it would rattle your cage too if an angel came and interrupted you. It would, it would be an amazing thing if an angel stood before us and had this big announcement. And here's what he says. Look at the text, verse 9. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. So it was the glory of the Lord. It was the outward manifestation of God's presence and God's power. And it just shone around them. It, it lit up the whole sky. And they were greatly afraid, the text says. They were fearful. In, in the original language, it means they had an intensity to their fear. What fear do you have this Christmas? What fear is in your life that causes you to kind of get a little unsettled, that causes you to be rattled? Is it the fear of something in your family? Is it the fear of losing a job? Is it the fear of losing a friend? Is it the fear of something that's going on in your life that's keeping you from worshiping, therefore you say, I'll just keep busy working, and if you work long enough, you'll miss what worship is all about. So this is a huge announcement that comes, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Let me see if I can explain it to you like this. When I was a sophomore, I was on the junior varsity team, JV, of Dobie High School. And I got a phone call in the afternoon that uh, I was going to be on varsity that night. I didn't even have a uniform for varsity. I had my JV uniform. They said, oh, by the way, so-and-so didn't make the grades he needed to make, therefore you're moving up. So we went to North Shore High School. And North Shore High School was the only high school that had a spotlight that they put in the middle of the court, and they introduced both teams. So what we would do, and I had thought about this because I was JV, we played before the varsity, I thought about if there's ever a time when I can run into that spotlight, my life will forever be changed. So it was. On that night, they announced Freeman Tomlin, sophomore, guard, and I ran into the light that was already in place, and then I began to shine. Now watch this. The shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone all about them. The manifestation of God's glory, his power. You know, the Bible talks about God being in an unapproachable light that we can't stand. He was shining all around. It's beautiful. And, and the message came to the shepherds. And it says, before the glory of the Lord shone all around them. So God decided to announce the birth of his son with the glory of God all around them, the shepherds in the fields, and they were rattled to their core, and they said, we were greatly afraid. We had an intensity to fear. Now watch this. Look at the text. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. So the angel said, don't be afraid. Now watch this. Fear either causes us to run away from God or run to him. Listen carefully. Fear can cause you to run away from God. There's a lot of people that are running away from God. But when you have a holy fear and a holy reverence, it causes you to understand you can run to God. God's the answer. No matter what fear you have today, you can run to him. And so the shepherds learned that they didn't have to run away from God. They could receive this message, and then they could share the message of this good news. So the angel said to them, don't be afraid. So fear, when you have a holy reverence for fear, when you think about this, because here's the fear that the shepherds were experiencing. When God shows up, and you're a human being, and you are standing in the presence of a holy God, it should bring fear to your life. It should bring fear. And so you can either embrace that fear 
and trust by faith in that Holy One or you can run from that fear. See, when you embrace the fear that's before you with trust and faith, because the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear is like a two-sided coin. One side is truth, the other side is consequences. And so these shepherds learn to embrace this fear, the reverence, the holiness of God. We talked about last week that God is holy. He's perfectly holy. And nobody can get into heaven unless they are perfect. So that would mean that we would be ruled out from going because we're all sinners. We've all missed the mark. And when we shoot the arrow, it always goes to the side. We've all missed the mark. But God is holy. And so that's who he is and that's his character. So if I'm going to get saved, if I'm going to go to heaven, then I've got to trust the one who is holy, who has paid for my sins, who is perfectly righteous, the Holy One of Israel, and I put my faith into him. And when I put my faith into him, then my fear has banished. All of the things that I would fear has been banished because my fear has been turned into faith into the one that now I reverence with fear. And fear means I have a healthy respect for who God is. A healthy respect for who God is. So fearing God is a compass that God gives us when we trust Jesus as our Savior on our journey of life. We fear Him. And listen, we reverence Him. And and when you fear God in a healthy way, you don't have to fear anything else, do you? You don't have to fear anything in your life. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear your job. What if they take my job? What if they take my house? What if the IRS comes and visits me? That's bad news, right? But let me tell you what, the good news always triumphs over the bad news when the good news is better than the bad news. And the good news is, it doesn't matter. If they take my life, so take my life. Put me into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ where I will dwell in eternity forever and forever and forever. So if you kill me, then I live more. If you kill me, to to live is Christ, to die is gain. If you take my house, my money, if you take my money, you take my house, that's not where my faith is. You can take anything from me, but as long as I have the good news of a shepherd who lives in my heart and I'm walking by faith in him and I trust him, I don't have to fear anything. So God, God, think about this. When the angel said, don't fear, that's what the angel meant. You can either run from him or you can run to him and embrace this message. So I want to encourage somebody today. You may have anxiety, you may have fear, you may have a war of turmoil going on in your heart and your life. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, you don't have to live in fear, you can live in the power of the resurrection because this baby was born to die and to live forever. You don't have to fear anymore. And I've even told you, I've had times recently where I have, my mind and my emotions have gone to fear and I have to go back. No, it's faith and trust in Jesus. It's faith and trust in Jesus. So here's what the good news is. Look at the text. The angel said, you don't have to be afraid. That's like a a robber coming in with a gun and saying, you don't have to be afraid. Okay, I don't have to be afraid. Oh, you're holding the gun. I don't have to be afraid. Listen, I don't have to be afraid. I'm telling you, you could lay your head on the pillow tonight 
and have peace with God if you'll receive the gift of Christmas, if you'll receive the gift of salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you can get the best night's rest that you've ever had when you settle the account with the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to fear. And here's why you don't have to fear. The angel said, do not fear, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Good news is the gospel. Good news, he, listen, good news is God himself. He doesn't even have to give us joy, does he? The good news is in God himself. If Luke doesn't even write about joy, the good news is in God himself. The good news is God himself loves you. God himself proved his love by sending Jesus to this earth, and that good news you can experience today in God himself. But Luke writes the good news of great joy. So the good news is that Jesus has come. He was born with a mission. He was born to fulfill his mission. That's the good news. The bad news is we're sinners. The bad news is we can't save ourselves. The bad news is our righteousness is as filthy rags. The good news is his righteousness is not like filthy rags. The good news is his righteousness is like a river of blood flowing from end to end which washes and cleanses us of our sin. His Righteousness is a whole lot different than the filthy rags that I bring him. And that's why my only hope and the only good news that I can ever have is when I deposit my faith into him who is a person. We don't follow a religious leader. We follow a person. He is not religion. He's a relationship. So the good news that brings, look at the text, great joy is that, that Jesus Christ loves you. He has a plan. He wants to save you today. You may be here this morning and you say, I don't know this Jesus of good news, much less do I have any great joy. In fact, I don't have any joy at all. Well, here's the difference. Today, you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. You can receive him. You can receive this good news into your heart. You can ask Christ to come in. And when he comes in, he doesn't come in just to take a little part. He comes in to take over, right? He comes in to take over your heart. He'll wash your sins away. He'll put his beautiful life in you. And then that good news of great joy will be deposited in you. So that's the good news. The text says it's of great joy. So, so this good news is fear banishing. It can banish your fears. But it's also joy giving, Joy giving. And listen, joy is not a destination. Jesus is. I'm going to say it again. Joy is not the destination. Jesus is. If you want to see some joyless people, just look this time of the year. Not everybody's singing Hark the Herald Angels or Joy to the World or Happy, Happy. I mean, there's some mean people out there. But the good news transforms us. It changes us. The good news produces great joy. I remember one time I was eating at a restaurant and a, uh, when, when I was a pastor and a lady came up and gave me a 20% coupon off my meal and I didn't know her from anybody. I said, that's good news. That brings great joy to my heart. Until the next time I was in that restaurant and somebody paid for my tab and I didn't even know who it was. And so the, the, the better the news, uh, the greater the joy. And then, of all things, my church, a wonderful church, they sent me on their money ticket, their tithes and offerings, they sent me and my family to Hawaii as a gift. And I said, there is a God. <laughs> and it's just a thought. If you ever pray about what you want to do, uh, I'm, I'm open. But, but anyway, so here's the deal. The better the news, the greater the joy. 
What better news is there than Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, uh, was, was, has died on a cross, they put him in a tomb, and, and he rose again after three days. What better news is there than that? And he's coming back again. So that's the better news. So, so the better the news, the greater the joy. And joy is not being found in ourselves. Joy is being found in being found. Joy is being found in being found. I am found by him. My life is hidden in Christ because I have received him by faith. Therefore, I have great joy. Joy is found in submitting yourself and surrendering yourself to the gospel and the good news that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Great joy is found when you get at the foot of the cross and you realize that sin equalizes all of us and none of us have any hope apart from Jesus Christ. Then you can experience great joy. Joy is being found in being found, and I am found in him. He is the one that I am located in. He's the position that I'm locating in, and he's the person that I'm located in. It's Christ in me and me in Christ. It's a reciprocal dwelling. So if you're here this morning and you say, all I have is bad news, all I'm experiencing is fear, and I have no joy, why would you wait another moment why don't you invite Christ to come into your heart? You can do it right where you're sitting. Just say, Lord Jesus, save me. Come in to my heart. I need this good news, and I need this great joy, and he will save you. The text says it's the good news of great joy. Watch this. Which will be for all people. To the Jew first, to the Greek, this good news is for all people. This good news has no barriers. All I see in Houston is barriers. All I see is orange cones in Houston. You, you can't get off anywhere without running into an orange cone or crushing it. Everywhere there's orange cones, and those orange cones are restricting traffic because you got to file down to one lane, and you get down to one lane, and everybody's squeezing. All these five lanes are squeezing to get into this one lane. It's restricted, but then those orange cones peel out, and everybody's able to go free. And to me, that's a picture of the gospel. It's for all people. There are no barriers to this gospel. There are no color barriers to this gospel. This gospel is the good news that's for all people. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Some people may be colorblind, but God's color appreciative because he made every single one of us, and we are uniquely made one of a kind, and he wants us to come into a relationship with him. That is good news for all the people, right? All the people. You say, I don't think that this person should be in heaven or this group of people should be in heaven. Then you probably don't want to go because it's going to be every tribe, every nation is going to be worshiping. Right? And so the good news breaks down all barriers. People try to put restrictions on us and try to say, you can't do this for this group of people or you can't do that. And God says, hey, the gospel of the good news is whosoever will may come. There's only one name where we can be saved by. It's the name of Jesus Christ. So this great joy, the text says, look, will be for all people. Now look at the text. For there is born to you. Just put your name in there. For there is born to you this day. This day is the grace of God coming unfolding. The grace of God is unfolding for all people. The good news of great joy is coming to everybody. And it's coming to you for to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Don't miss this. He's a Savior. We don't need to have better goals. 
we need a savior. We don't need a personal assistant. We need a savior. We don't need someone to help us think better. We need a savior because we have a sin problem and we need a savior. We don't need somebody to help us in this life. We need somebody to rescue us from our sins. And the Bible says that when Jesus was born, he had three positions or three titles here. He was savior, he was Christ, and he was Lord. He was a savior. He was a rescuer from sins. This is important to understand. When I was a lifeguard, and I, I, I know I don't look like one, but I was at Wilson Pool right over here, somewhere over here. They paid the, it was the best pay you could get as a teenager in the city. And I was a lifeguard, and a, a young man dove off the high dive, and he never came back up. And I'm the one sitting in the seat that is supposed to move. And so after a few moments of thinking, half a second of praying, I dove in to get him. He wasn't coming up. This is the deep end of the pool. And so I went down to get him. Everything that they taught me in lifeguard school went out the window. He is a little guy. I grabbed him by his arm. We were down 12 feet. This is a true story, which means it's really not true. I grabbed him by his arm, and I looked up, and I saw another splash. And it was his brother who couldn't swim either. He couldn't swim. His brother couldn't swim. And so I rescued both of them, and I put them on the side of Wilson Pool. And I said, what are you guys? They were breathing. They, you know, they were okay, and everything was good, but we had to shut down the pool. It was an emergency situation. And I said, what are you doing? Neither one of you can swim. And they said, I thought I could swim. And then the second boy, his brother said, I thought I could save him. And here's what God told me. Drowning people can't save drowning people. Now listen to me. We are all drowning in sin and we can't save ourselves. There's only one Savior. There's only one rescuer. I don't need to have better thoughts. I don't need to try harder. I don't need to set goals for myself. I need a Savior. I don't need a personal assistant. I need someone who will rescue me. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so he's a rescuer. That's what the word means. So he was born a Savior. Look at the text who is Christ. Let's stay with the word Christ here as we come to the end. The word Christ would have maybe three connotations in Scripture. It's the word for Messiah. Um, It's the word for the anointed one. So Jesus was anointed for him to do what he was doing, being born as the Savior of the world by the Father before he was ever born. And so if you understand Christ, you would have three connotations or three positions that you would say that Christ could mean. First of all, Christ means the king. The king has come. Listen carefully. The king has come. Because in Revelation 15, it talks about Jesus being the king. So when Jesus was born, you could say that the king has come. Christ has come. The king has come. And in Revelation 15, it says he's the king of the nations. Now, I know the nations don't act like he's king, but can I tell you something? He's still king of the nations. He's king of this world. And I know that the rulers of the nations don't honor him as king, but they will bow before him. You will either bow now or you will bow later, but you will bow. Every ruler will bow before him because he's the king. If you remember, when he was being crucified, there was a statement above him that says, King of the Jews. He was king of the Jews. And he asked Pilate, Who am I? He said, You're the king. Watch this. God allowed his enemies to pronounce what was true of Jesus on that cross. They were his enemies. God sometimes allows our enemies to pronounce what's true of us when we're in Christ. He is King Jesus. He is Christ. He is the king of this world. He wants to be the king of your heart. 
man, not only do I need a shepherd in my life, man, I need a king. And you get it all when you get Jesus. It says he was Christ. He was king. It also talks about the word Christ would also be a word used like the priest would use in the Old Testament. So a king, kings were anointed physically. They would be anointed. They would be set apart for service. But Jesus wasn't physically anointed. He was anointed by the Father for him to fulfill his mission. So he was a king, but he was also a priest. And the priest would help the people in the Old Testament get access to God. See, you couldn't come bring your sacrifice in the temple. You had to hand the sacrifice that you would bring over to the priest, and the priest would offer your sacrifice up to God. But listen, Jesus is our high priest. You don't have to, you, you become the sacrifice in the, in the New Testament. You don't offer a sacrifice because the sacrifice has already been offered in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is our king and he is our high priest. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Do you see how beautiful this baby is who is king? He is priest. And the third thing is if you look at the word Christ, he's also prophet. Prophet would be someone who would speak on behalf of God. And Jesus spoke on behalf of God. In fact, nothing he said didn't come from the Father. I just do what the Father tells me to do. I say what the Father tells me to say. I'm in submission to the Father. So, so Jesus was king, he was priest, and he was prophet. And that would all be wrapped up in the word Christ. Now I'm coming to the end here. And then it says, look at the text, and he is Lord. Do you see it in the text? He is Lord. That's not only the position that this baby would take, but that position of being Lord can be in your life. Think about that. Jesus Christ doesn't want to come in just to be the president of your life. He wants to be the resident of your life. He wants to live in you. Christ the Lord. He's the Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's who he is. It's all wrapped up in him. Do you see the Lord? You don't make Jesus Lord. He's Lord whether you make him Lord or not. But you can submit to his lordship by trusting Jesus as your Savior. You can say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. I want you to be the king of my heart. I want you to be the priest in my heart. And I want you to be the prophet in my heart. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. So I submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You don't make him Lord because here's why. He's already Lord whether you submit to him or not. He's Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So all I need to do this Christmas for the good news to become real in my heart is bow down before him and say, Lord Jesus, I can't save myself. I can't make it right in my own heart. I can't deal with my sins on my own. But I am trusting you as my personal Savior. I am trusting you to not only take up residence in my life, but I want you to be the pilot of my life. And I want you to be in charge of my life. And that's why the birth came to the shepherds and to the city of David, because there is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I'm going to ask you a question. Is that good news for you? What are you going to do with that good news? You say, that's good news. But what about for you personally? He personally loves you. He personally died for you. He personally rose for you. And he personally will come back for you if you will trust him as your Lord and Savior. If you receive the gift. Here's the bottom line. You just receive him as Savior. You receive him. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You receive the gift. 
It's like this, and I'll close with this illustration. My wife, she does this often, but for the sake of the illustration, I'll say, one time when she kissed me. She does this often. But one time when she kissed me, excuse me just a minute, one time when she kissed me, I always wanted Zach to do that. He never did. (laughs) One time when she kissed me, she had a, a bunch of lipstick on, and she kissed me, and I went into a meeting. And I went into the meeting, and several little older ladies said, you, you, you need to wipe that off the, the side of your cheek because you've got lipstick on your cheek. And I began to think, well, I probably should until I began to think about the memory of that kiss. I said, why would I wipe something off of me that brings up great grandeur and wonderful feelings of warmth and love and embrace? So I walked through the whole meeting with the lipstick on me because it reminded me of how much my life, my wife loves me and how she wants to embrace me and how she wants to leave a mark on me that other people know that I belong to her. So I said, I'm not taking this off for anything. So the good news is, when, I don't know how that illustration really came down, but it just did. <laughs> the good news is this. When you receive the embrace and the kiss of God, you don't ever have to wipe it out. I'm telling you, the good news of Christmas, you just keep that on as a reminder of how much God loves you, how much he cares for you. No matter where you are today, no matter where you've been, you may have messed up, you may have said, you know, I'm really struggling, but you know what? God loves me, and he's got a plan. I'm going to ask you this morning to receive the free gift of salvation based on what this text says, that this baby was not only baby, he was king. He's the king of the universe, and you can trust him. Would you bow your head with me as the band plays behind me? Would you come in to this moment in your mind of quietness and stillness and thoughtfulness? And would you ask this question? Have you ever invited Jesus Christ into your life? Or are you still thinking about it? Why would you want to think about it anymore? You don't have to go another second without knowing where you're going to spend eternity. You don't have to go another day without knowing where you're going to spend eternity. We know based on the scripture, that Jesus Christ is the king of the earth and wants to be the king in our heart. And all you have to do is receive him. All you have to do is receive his free gift of salvation into your life. Pray a prayer like this in your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, the best way I know how, I'm going to settle this issue today. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I receive the free gift of salvation from you. I repent of my sins in this moment so that you can put your beautiful life and erase all my sins and old things are passed away and everything becomes new. Lord Jesus, do that in me now and he will. If you prayed that prayer, God has saved you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to touch your life, not only today, but for all eternity. God, we love you today. We thank you for this moment in time as we trust you and love you. 
We know that Christmas brings up a lot of memories, a lot of thoughts, but most important is what we've done with you. And so we just thank you that we can rest at peace at night once we've settled peace in our hearts with you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.